With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. A good Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to the VolQuest podcast here at VolQuest.com and VolQuest on the YouTube channel. Please like this video and please subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. It's a big week for Tennessee athletics. Spring practice right around the corner. Tennessee baseball is in action, but of course, Tennessee begins its um, travel for the NCAA tournaments, getting in action Thursday against Louisiana and then potentially a matchup against Oral Roberts, Oral Roberts or Duke on Saturday. I'm Eric Kane with Grant Ramey and Rob Lewis, and a big thanks to our friends over at Exterior Home Solutions who make this entire podcast possible for a free estimate. Go ahead and give them a call today, 865-524-5888. That's siding, that's roofing, whatever home improvements you need when you need it to be done, give Exterior Home Solutions a call today at 865-524-5888 for a free estimate. All right, guys, so a little time to sink in now, a couple of days. Rob Lewis, kind of when you look at... Uh, this Tennessee draw, uh, number four seed in the East region, taking on Louisiana on uh, the nightcap for Thursday. A couple of days out from initially Selection Sunday. Kind of what are your thoughts on on how Tennessee got picked for this NCAA tournament? I don't have a problem with seeding at, at all. Um, you know, Grant, I, I don't know if you do, but I I felt like that, you know, they kept, you kept hearing three seed, three seed, three seed. That, just, that always felt a little high to me, or at least it felt high to me these last couple weeks. Um and, you know, I, I know some fans are like, you know, you beat Kansas, you beat Alabama, you beat Texas. I mean, I don't know that nobody has two wins over a number one seed and a number two like Tennessee does. So I get it. The body of work is impressive. But to me, it's a team that went five and seven from February 1st until now. And I don't have a problem with the four seed. I think it's pretty accurate. And Rick Barnes didn't seem to have a problem with the four seed. No, and if two shots don't go, go in, you're probably a three seed. If you win yep. at Vanderbilt, if you win at Missouri, I mean, that's just kind of what it is. That's basketball. Um, it felt like Lenardi was the only one that was hanging on to that three seed basically up until the last day before in the morning of Selection Sunday. It's like he flipped them to a four uh, in the middle of the night, Saturday night, and then they were back to a three for a little bit on Sunday. So it felt like – and everybody else it felt like had them as a four. So they've been trending that way for a while. Then the guy gets hurt, obviously, second to last game of the regular season. Like Rob said, you're five and seven. Um, they earned a high seed based on what they did against Texas, against Alabama, against, you know, those Kansas, those, those type of teams earlier in the year. But they also earned kind of dropping a couple spots. I mean, they're on the number one seed line for Lenardi probably two months ago. They're on the number two for a while. They're on the number three forever, it felt like. Uh, as much as they earned a high seed, they also earned dropping a little bit by, by the way they closed the regular season. Great. Tell us about Louisiana a little bit, a little scouting report. I know, Rob, you'll have a, a preview piece coming out and – and everything, but they got some talent. The former five stars on that roster. Uh, what about the uh, Raging Cajuns? Uh, Jordan Brown, Jordan Brown, Jordan Brown, Jordan Brown some more. I mean, he's 6'11", 225. He was a five star. Uh, committed and signed Eric Musselman at Nevada. He was in Nevada until Musselup. So I guess that was after his freshman year. 
he transferred to Arizona. He was uh, sat out for a year there. Then he was the sixth man uh, of the year in the Pac-12. His second year at Arizona, then Sean Miller gets fired. So he ends up transferring again. He goes to Louisiana where his dad uh, played there, played really well in the 80s. I think he was the number two leading scorer for the program when, when he left there. So that's why he, I guess, ended up at uh, Louisiana. It felt like he had a breakout year last year, averaging like 15 and eight or something like that. This year he's closer to 19 and nine. So everything they do is going to go through him. They don't shoot a ton from three. They're not, you know, they have the great, the greatest offensive numbers. So I think matchup wise, draw wise, it could have been a lot worse for Tennessee. Uh, but you're either going to have to stop Jordan Brown uh, or you're either going to have to give him his 20 and 10 and hope you can stop everybody else and not let them do anything and hold Louisiana to, you know, 60 or less and, and just outscore. Rob, is it fair? I mean, there's there's some chatter out there at the beginning of this week that the most vulnerable four seed out there is Tennessee. And I, I understand why. So I guess I'm answering the question. I think it is fair. But um, do you like Louisiana as a trendy upset pick in that 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 413 matchup on Thursday? No, I don't. But I mean, I, I see where people are making it. No. I really do. Um, I don't. I just, you know, I'm, I'm not selling Tennessee that short. I mean, this is still, this is still a competent team. This is still, you know, despite what we saw on Friday against Missouri, it's still a team that's very capable of playing good defense. And I, I think that's what will be the difference on on Thursday is Tennessee's defense again. Grant kind of covered the Georgia, uh, the Jordan Brown factor. He's the real deal. But I mean, you got to have more than, than than that guy, you know, than one guy to to really, I, I think, give this Tennessee defense problems. They shoot it okay from outside, a little, little less than 35% for three. I mean, I think this is a team that will have to make a lot of threes to, to beat Tennessee. And it, I mean, it can happen. Missouri just made, what, 12, 13? Mm-hmm. Uh, they made 14 when they beat Tennessee and Knoxville. So it's not like Tennessee, you know, can't be had that way. But um, this, this, you know, Louisiana Tech or Louisiana is not a prolific three-point shooting team they've got one guy that's made 53 that's the only guy that's over 50 on the year so i'm you know i I can see why people are are looking at tennessee as a bit of a wounded animal and a trendy upset pick but i think they definitely have enough to get by on thursday now we'll see i can can obviously be wrong rob kind of what was the mood around campus earlier this week Uh, i had a chance to catch up with rick barnes i know both you guys did uh, along with the rest of the media I talked to some players. What are their thoughts on the four seed draw and here in the East Region with their matchup against Louisiana, potentially uh, Duke and or Oral or or I guess it's not an and it's an or Oral Roberts on Saturday. Grant, I thought I think it's surprisingly upbeat. I mean, do you did you get that impression from, from talking with the guys? I know you know Josiah, you know seemed in, in pretty good spirits. The, you know the the head coach who you know can be a little bit all over the map was you know excited. I mean, it just seems like everybody it feels like a new start. Is, is how they're looking at yeah, it. Yeah, it feels like I think they said 0-0, something like that, four-team tournament, whatever, go in and try to win a four-team uh, four tournament the first weekend, then you get the second weekend, it's another four-team tournament, uh, et cetera, that kind of stuff. Obviously, it's it's been a rough go in the NCAA tournament for them in recent years, especially for this class, Josiah, and these seniors. Uh, so I guess they would be itching to get another shot at it. Um, if they do get to Saturday, it's it's the, the Duke Oral Roberts uh, matchup gives me pause. I, I don't know that I want either of those teams right now with the way Duke's playing, the way Oral Roberts has played the entire season, and they've been here and done that before. But uh, given the Louisiana draw, given the four seed, given you know what could happen in the second round in Orlando, yeah, I, I would agree 100 percent. Beat positive. Rick Barnes was talking about he wanted his guys to just have confidence. You don't really change much this time of year. You know, he said that sends the wrong signal to your players. You just want them to kind of keep doing what they're doing and if anything they didn't play well as a whole I thought you know in the second half against Missouri but I thought two days in Nashville they shot the ball well they scored the ball well 
uh, eliminate some turnovers, eliminate some defensive lapses, and you're a pretty good basketball team. Missouri, for whatever reason, seems to give them fits, and, and that's a matchup nightmare. But even coming off of, the, off of that, I felt like offensively, shot-making and stuff like that, it felt like they made a little bit of progress. I don't know. I might be crazy there. Rob, you wrote this in your 3-2-1 Monday morning, um, pretty much giving Tennessee the benefit of the doubt, at least for the first weekend, because they have seniors, because this is a veteran-led team. Um, obviously, you're putting some stock into Tennessee, having guys who have been there, done that, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important. Now, you know, it didn't look that important Friday afternoon in Nashville, so yeah. you know, I maybe need to reevaluate it. But, but I do. I mean, I, I think having guys like Santiago, like Josiah, you know, Olivier, even Euros is not a starter. I mean, you just got a bunch of guys that, that have been in this thing before, and even you know, I think that'll pay benefits on, on Thursday. I think that would pay benefits on, on Saturday if they're playing Duke. I mean, Duke's a super talented team, but they've got a bunch of kids that, you know, are, are freshmen that have, have never been in here before. And I, you know, I, I know Duke is hot as, as all get out right now, but I, I kind of like Tennessee's chances in that matchup. I think Tennessee will make it so ugly and so tough for them to score. I don't know if their young kids are, are ready for the kind of, you know, just street brawl that would be. Yeah, kind of on that, Grant, Rob pretty much just answered that question for me, but who should Tennessee want in the second round? Honestly, I don't know. Maybe I've just stared at Oral Roberts too much, and and, and maybe I'm thinking too much of that COVID bubble tournament when uh, Max Davis' kid went off, and, and they were a 15th seed. And beat Ohio State, went to the Sweet Seat, almost went to the Elite Eight. Uh, they gave Arkansas really a game down to the, fi- the final possessions uh, in that Sweet 16, so – Duke's really good, or at least they're playing really well at the right time. But also, the ACC is pretty average. It's 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 a pretty down year for that league, considering what it's what's it what it is used to, uh, year in and year out. And the SEC just you know put in eight teams, uh, tied for the most, I believe, in the field. So the SEC is really tough. The ACC is really kind of average. And Duke won that tournament. And they played well down the stretch. But there's also a lot of nights where Duke looked really really average as well, and looked like they were struggling. Uh, you know, in the first year without Coach K and John Shire taking over there. So, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of agree with Rob that maybe you want Duke and, and maybe you can muck it up a little bit. But I, I don't think if Laura Roberts wins that, there's usually a 5-12. Uh, there's usually a 12 that advances. Uh, I don't think either one of them is going to be a walk in the park, especially go. for a Tennessee team that's got some demons in the second round. I wouldn't go that far, man. I would say you always went oral. Or check that. You always went the 12 seed instead of the 5 seed. It would be a better way to put put that. When you look at the tur- when you look yeah. at the brackets, I see this is. Uh, I'm moving the conversation, moving the conversation. When you look at the bracket overall, guys, it had a couple of days to kind of settle in and everything. Any, any big surprises? Maybe from the SEC, no Vanderbilt didn't get it. I asked you guys both this on Sunday, and you kind of gave your your two cents there. But SEC had eight teams in, but uh, any big surprises or um, eyebrow raisers for the bracket as a whole or the conference grant? Uh, Alabama kind of getting the number one overall seed. I think that was a little bit of based on what they did uh, over the weekend as a whole, not, not only what they did all season, but I, th- I think it felt like what they did, the SEC, SEC tournament, the way they played, the way they rolled there, I think that flipped them to that number one overall seed. Um, and obviously they, they have a, you know, a path that reflects that. Uh, Vandy, uh, too little, too late. I don't think they did enough early in the year, too many bad losses. Uh, they had some good wins down the stretch. They were really impressive. Um, Auburn potentially playing a one seed in Birmingham. Uh, that, that's kind of crazy to me. Uh, Clemson beat NC State. It felt like every time NC State, they played NC State by a bunch and, and NC State gets that spot over them. So 
That one was a surprise. Uh, Rutgers, it felt like that one was a surprise. I mean, they won at Purdue. Uh, they had a lot of, you know, quad one, quad two wins. So for them to get left out, I thought that was kind of a surprise as well. Rob, anything big yeah, for just, you I when you look at the bracket? Nationally, I mean, I don't keep up with the Big Ten like I do the SEC, obviously, but I, I was surprised Rutgers didn't get in. Certainly, you know, I I can see it either way with the NC State. They, but not, you know, they, I feel like they snuck in. I don't, I don't think they'll be around long. And just in the SEC, I, I really thought Texas A&M was underseeded at, at seven. But, you know, I get it. They, they had an ugly non-conference you know, portion, and obviously Vanderbilt got penalized by that. So I guess I can see how you how you penalize Texas A&M for that. But, man, I I know that Alabama handled it, but I feel like the Aggies are, are pretty capable of making some noise in the next couple of weeks. Now, I want to give props to Zuzify. He put this on the board. And, guys, I'm not sure if you had a chance to see it yet earlier in the week and answer it. But I thought this would be a good question to bring on the pod as we kind of close out the basketball section. You got to pick one former UT Hoops player to insert into this lineup for the tournament run. Um, Grant, who would you go with? Um, they had Kennedy Chandler last year, and you know, tournament basketball, a lot of good it did, right? But my answer would be Grant Williams. Uh, Grant Williams, uh, Chris Lofton. Uh, you need a shooter. You can never have enough shooters uh, this time of year. Help you space the floor. Um, I think Grant's a great choice. I, 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 you know, there's no there's no bad logic there. You need an inside presence that can score. Somebody that you know you can go to and get a bucket when you really need a bucket. Somebody just to have that inside presence. But the shots that Chris made during his career not only the number, but the stage that he made some of those shots on. I mean, think about Winthrop, that shot deep in the corner uh, to win that game. Uh, just just the presence that he would give you on the wing. Uh, if you could add Loft in this roster, I think that would be a pretty good deal. I take, I mean, it's tempting to take Kennedy Chandler with Zakai out, but uh, as, as much as they've struggled to get points in the post, I got Grant Williams. Give me the two-time SEC player of the year. I can dump it down to and expect to get, you know, 20 points out of against a really it gets really good competition and I'm, I'm, i've written about it. i know grant's talked about it but the, the inconsistency in the post is that's a big concern gordon i mean it puts a lot of pressure on your guards which already have a lot of pressure on them without zakai if you're watching on youtube you can still see how red my face is from that comment from just a couple of minutes ago that's when you know it's been a really good podcast hey last thing um for both you guys i want you to answer this um for tennessee to move on and win some games in the NCAA tournament, this player can absolutely not afford to be a no-show. Um, obviously, you don't have Zakaya and Zakai, and he would have been my answer, you know, before his injury. But is it Santi? Is it Josiah Jordan James? I mean, which player cannot be an 0-4 in Tennessee? You know, be, being able to win some games and move on. Rob, you got it. I, I mean, I, I think there's a couple of answers. I mean, Santi better not no show, and Josiah better not no show. And we saw that on Friday. And I'm not blaming the loss on Josiah. I mean, I do think it's tough for him to play back to back games uh, right now. And he was great on Thursday, but one of seven from the field, three points, one rebound. I don't know that Tennessee survives any game in the next couple of weeks if he does that. I would probably go Santi just because he's been so consistent. It feels like lately, it feels like he's been dialed in a little bit, hitting a lot of shots, scoring a lot, uh, just doing a lot because he's going to be that guy that runs the point mostly uh, for this basketball team with Zakai out. Uh, and if he goes missing, if he has a bad night at the office, this team better be pretty elite defensively on that same night uh, if they're going to stick around because that's where your offense is coming from. That's the guy that's going to facilitate a lot of it. Uh, he's good on the defensive end as well, so he just does so much for them that if he goes missing, uh, it's going to be tough sledding. Tennessee, the four seed. Louisiana, the 13th seed, 940 Eastern time tip. That'll be Thursday night 
on CBS. Looking forward to that in the first round if Tennessee were to win in advance, taking on either Duke or Oral Roberts on Saturday. And Grant, Robert, both you guys are going to be down there covering the Tennessee basketball team. Uh, Rob, what's coming up, at least schedule-wise, on Wednesday? Uh, I know there's going to be a shoot-around and, and likely a media availability for Tennessee's Yeah, player, Gr- right? Grant and I will have a ton of stuff um, from down there. There will be open locker room. Coach Barnes will be on the podium. Select players will be on the podium. All, all the players will be available in the locker room setting, and they'll do like a little light shoot-around just to kind of get used to the lighting and the, and the sight lines in the arena. But we'll practice. Not, they won't have a grinding practice, but they'll go somewhere off-site to practice local high school, small college something along those lines. So that's what you have to look forward to. VolQuest.com, full coverage down there in Orlando for Tennessee in the NCAA tournament. It is March Madness. It has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big with nonstop action over at MyBookie. Whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting on the eventual national champion winner, or simply for a player or game props, MyBookie has got you covered any avenue you want to go to. Getting started with MyBookie is super simple. Visit online and make your first deposit by using the promo code VOLQUEST. That's promo code VOLQUEST to claim an exclusive deposit bonus. That's promo code V-O-L-Q-U-E-S-T, VOLQUEST, to claim some extra money on top of your initial deposit. With hundreds of hundreds and thousands of prizes for March Madness Weekly, uh, Blackjack Tournaments, and more, you can turn your game day into a payday over at MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So obviously a lot going on with Tennessee basketball this week, but hey, spring football, it starts next week. Matt, we already got our media schedule for some practice times we can go and view. And um, anytime you talk about spring practice, and this is something that we kind of, you actually said it on the Rocky Top Rewind a couple of days ago, and I couldn't agree more. Anytime there's spring practice or fall camp or anything, people want to know about the new guys, you know, whether that be incoming transfers, whether that be um whether that be uh some uh some recruits who came in and signed and all that who were early enrollees so we're looking forward to that i want to expand on what brenton austin did over on the front page uh yesterday and kind of give two more names you know i want to add two more names i want you to add two more names and so that's kind of what i want to talk about for spring practice but first uh before we get into that recruiting it's it's going to be a big month uh there's gonna be a lot of guys coming in on campus right now from you know, hosting to see a spring practice and all that. Who are some big names or some of that big chatter right now in the class of 2024 for Tennessee football? Yeah, there's, there's you know, a lot of guys come through campus that I think are intriguing. Some r- quick repeat visitors. Kevin Haywood will be back down in, in the month of March here, uh, probably around the 25th. You know, Tennessee able to get him in for that last junior day and continuing to battle there as his stock climbs coming out of his junior season. Marquez Easley, a guy that um, – has continued to see pretty much every school in the country come into the race for him. He'll be here um, to end the month, and he's a guy that just released his top ten earlier in the week, uh, featuring the Vols, featuring some of the nation's best, Alabama, Georgia, you know, several big-time schools on there. So um, he'll be here as you're seeing that offensive tackle you know, board that we've talked about for the last little bit that's been expanding. You're seeing those guys get to campus. Uh, Sammy Brown scheduled to be here around the weekend of – 
Easter. You know, that's a big visit for Tennessee. Obviously, with the connections they have with Sammy Brown, they, they have, you know, some staying power there. But he, he has to continue to, you know, further build his relationship with his staff. He's been here a lot. You know, it's going to be more of a refresher for him, and he's going to, you know, have to kind of reset everything. He, he's been an elite recruit for a long time, but now he's fully on the cycle and just finished up, you know, a repeat state title run in basketball. So it's going to be – or in, not in basketball, in wrestling. So it's going to be interesting to see where, you know, Sammy Brown goes in, in the coming weeks and months, and, and Tennessee can be solidified as a real long-term player for him. Um, and then we touched on him on the Rocky Top Rewind, and I don't think you can, you know, understate the importance of Amari Jefferson's visit. Yeah. He's just, you know, one of those signature guys in state, and he, he's continuing to climb the boards of teams across the country, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Texas A&M getting involved, LSU trying to get involved. So there, there's a lot of schools that are showing a lot of attention to Amari Jefferson that continues to have good conversation with Tennessee. And, you know, that March 25th visit for him is going to be big as he works that in around his baseball schedule. I feel like this part of uh, the recruiting calendar is really critical, right? Because, I mean, junior days are fine. It's great. But as as we joke all the time, junior days are about like, hey, it's great to see you. Got to get you back here in March. Got to get you back here in March. Got to get you here for the orange and white game. You know, and so it's like, you get them here, say hello, get them on campus and all that. And more so than anything, it's kind of like keep away. If they're on your campus, they're not on Georgia's campus or Alabama's campus or whatever. But anyway, when you're coming back to campus, these prospects get to see, get to watch, get to sit in. They get to observe on what it would be like to play football here at Tennessee. I just, I feel like this portion goes a long way because you get guys to come on and see and observe that. And then they come back in the summer or for an official visit. It, it might kind of, that, that light might kind of be ignited here during this time. Yeah, these months, you know, are so important now. Uh, for for a while, it seemed like maybe they were catalyst, you know, before the early signing period, things like that. They, you know, they allowed you to to jumpstart a recruitment and then make that push towards February and, and you know try to have a chance to get a guy on campus for an official visit in the fall or in December, and whenever that might be. Um, but now. You know these are important. It's like you said, you're trying to you're trying to keep guys away during January, trying to get them here, and obviously, you know, get more of that face to face time. As you're, you know, and luckily for Tennessee, they weren't putting a bow on anything in February. Everything was done for them, you know, in that early signing period, pretty much. So, um, you know, you're able to invest more time into those guys. But now, getting them back, repeat, like you said, observe, see that kind of day in the life of what a spring practice looks like at Tennessee. And then those official visits start rolling around, and they're so important because last year Tennessee's class was not done, but, man, it was pretty close yeah. when, when, you know, they took that first snap you know, to really start things up. So, again, these are important months, and these are important visits coming up, in my opinion. All right, let's shift gears now towards spring practice. We've been recruiting. There's going to be some guys who signed in the class of 2023 who we're going to see truly for the first time. Yeah, they were here and they were in pads and everything, but they didn't take true reps. They didn't uh, they didn't take any part in team or anything, you know. So this this is big time, you know, for not only Nico Iamaliava, but for Jalen Smith, all those guys that are you know early enrollees and, and transfers coming in. Uh, Brent and Austin had a had a piece over on the front page of the websites. I think it was Monday afternoon. Yeah, it was yesterday. And um, they kind of gave their top three that they're looking at. And Brent's was Ricky Gibson, John Slaughter, Andre Carrick. Two freshmen, one transfer. Austin's was 
Arian Carter, Caleb Herring, and Nathan Laycock, three members of that uh, 23 signing class. Um, Matt, if I were to ask you, let's go one by one. You give one, I give one. You give one, I give one. Let's give four more total. Who would your first one be that has not been mentioned already? Man, not been mentioned already. I mean, it's probably the the easy way out. Let's not bury the lead here, all right? You know, it's probably the easy way out. But, I mean, Nico is – you have to be excited to see him, right? You're talking number one player in the country, you know, in the own three rankings to end out the 2023 cycle. He's had time in the strength and conditioning program. What does he look like? How's he picked up this offense? Where is he at mentally? I think all those things are important. You know, and any other year, you know, you, you probably would still want to see Nico. But this year – Tennessee's carrying two scholarship quarterbacks going into spring. So it's going to be important, you know, to see where he's at and, and, you know, what from practice one to practice 15 to the orange and white game, what's he look like? Where are things at for him going into fall? I, I think it would be crazy to, to not talk about him, even as easy as it is. I'm excited to see Nico. I got a chance to see him throw a lot and during his cycle, even for him being a California kid, AP had, a, you know, several chances to see him throw as well. So I, I'm excited to see what he looks like after a couple of months in, in the strength and conditioning program and having a chance to deep dive into the Tennessee offense with Joey Halsey and Josh Heupel. Yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with saying you want to see the number one player in the country perform in spring practice, especially if that number one player in the country is a quarterback. And so, you know, maybe he won't be the starting quarterback for Tennessee at all in 2023. That's the goal if you're Joe Milton, Joey Halsley, and Josh Heupel, in my opinion, and probably for Nico as well, to be completely honest with you. Not saying he's not a competitor, but that might be the best thing for the team in 2023, but still want to see the way he looks. So that, that's obviously a good one. Um, I'm going to go to a guy that's going to be practicing at the running back position. It's an early enrollee by the name of Cam Selton. Why? Well, first and foremost, he's so intriguing. Okay. I mean, he's six foot one, 215 pounds. Will he be more of a running back? Will he be more of a wide receiver in this offense? But in the spring, he's going to be practicing at that running back position. Jamari Small is going to miss, you know, pretty much all of spring. Jalen Wright, it'll be intriguing to see how much work he takes, you know, with those offseason surgeries and injuries and all that type of stuff so it's gonna be a big spring for dylan sampson for guys like deshaun bishop and for cam selden they're gonna get a whole lot of run um cam selden absolutely dominated his high school football in the state of virginia there's a lot of good players and prospects there level of competition is nowhere near where it is in some other states but man, he dominated and, and i'm i'm intrigued to see kind of what he looks like in translating over and how quickly he can kind of adapt and um if they if it's too early this spring to maybe tool with the idea of putting him out there at wide receiver and see what he can do. I mean, that might be too early right now and that's fair, but uh, there's a lot of intrigue with Cam Selden to see what he can do in this Josh Heupel offense. And he'll get a whole lot of work uh, here in the early going with, uh, with the university of Tennessee. Yeah. I think Cam Selden's so interesting to me because, you know, when you first started hearing you know, his name come up, everybody mentioned Debo Samuel. That was like the common theme. Like, can this be a Debo Samuel? And yeah, he can. Like, I think that's a guy that can really do everything. And he's going to get a start in the running back room. He's got a chance to be a game breaker. You can do so many things. I mean, he's just a gadget type player that I, I, you just can't teach some of the things he does. And again, that's. That's exciting to watch just in general, just as a football fan, you yeah. know, enjoying the game. I mean, it, regardless of, you know, what you do on Sunday afternoons, you're, if you're watching NFL Red Zone like I am, you're waiting to see 
what kind of highlight play Debo Samuel makes and where does he make it from? Is he flexed wide? Is he in the slot? Is he coming across formation on jet motion? Is he in the backfield? What's he doing? You know, and I think Cam Seldon has a chance to do all of those things. He certainly did them at the high school level, um, and he can help on special teams as well. The second player I'd probably take, um, you know, is there's so many. And I'm interested to see where Dante Thornton is. You know, he's a guy that, that I'm very interested to see where things are, how much, you know, does he get? What kind of run does he get this spring? Um, but I, I think, you know, that was probably going to be my pick, but I'm probably going to go now with, with a Jordan Matthews. Has he already been picked, Eric? <laughs> Spoilers, he was going to be my second one. Okay, well, if you're No, if you you're take going, it, man. You if, take it. I'll, if, I'll, I'll figure it out. If, if you're going with Jordan Matthews, that's fine. I'll go I'll go to another cornerback. Again, I think we've talked about it so much that, that defensive back position is going to be interesting. I mean, what's Christian Conyer look like? Yeah. And he's a guy that, you know, you talk about those important months that we were talking about on the recruiting front. And these months right here for him were so huge. Tennessee got him here if spring practice, got him here for Rocky Top Palooza, got him here for an official visit. And, man, that recruitment went back and forth with, again mm-hmm. with Kentucky. He's a guy this staff never wavered on in their pursuit, really, from the time they got here. Um, he's long. He's naturally athletic. He's got really good ball skills. He played receiver and defensive back at the, you know, high school level. So he can do a lot of things. I'm interested to see where he's at, what he does, how good the weight room's been to him. He's a guy that's so natural in a lot of the things that he does. I think he can play multiple positions inside the secondary. Willie, I don't know, but at the end of the day, I think he can. So I think during the spring, having a chance, you know, to be for Tennessee kind of tinker around, move him around, see what they can do with him, what he's about. I think it's going to be important for him. He's another guy that's, you know, I think overlooked inside of this class. If you want to look at the rankings, Christian Conyer just just as valuable as, as anyone coming in, in my opinion. And a battle that Tennessee just didn't want to lose, yeah. you know, they, they and they didn't. They went up against Kentucky and pulled him out of the out of the state there. Uh, just a just a big time win overall, and Tennessee relied on connections to get him, and, and you know it's going to be important to him this spring to you know find find his niche and, and see what he needs to do moving forward. Is he going to be a, a day one impact guy this fall? Probably not, but he's going to have a chance to play a role certainly on special teams and, and maybe in a two deep in certain situations. So we'll see where Christian Connor. That's a guy. There, there's a lot of guys. That, that bring intrigue in this group that's coming in. Yeah, no doubt about it. Arguably the best player from the Bluegrass States um, in the database that we were using at the time whenever he committed to Tennessee. I remember for the longest time, there was just this picture of him, and I believe it was when he was in eighth grade, and that's all the picture that we had. And and when I finally saw him in person, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, this kid obviously has grown up, right? And like, um, but a really good receiver, dynamic player with the ball in his hands, um, you know, cornerback safety. Where are you going to put him in this defensive backfield? I, I like that a lot. Um, before I get my last one, I think it goes without saying, and and I, again, I've, I've done this on this podcast. I've done this on Locked on Balls. I've done this on the Monday Night Chat. I've written about it. I am tired of talking about how important John Campbell and McCallum Castles are this spring. So should have put that disclaimer out there. Those are my two 100%. But I'm tired of talking about them because you guys are tired of, tired of probably listening. Let's just see what they can do here in the spring. Um, but to go along and kind of close this chapter, again, this is expanding on the conversation from Brent and Austin yesterday on the front page of Newcomers to Watch. Brent's was Ricky Gibson, John Slaughter, Andre Carriage. 
about said Jerome Carbon, not Jerome Carbon. Uh, he was listed in this Andre Carrick uh, section. And then Austin's trio was Arian Carter, Caleb Herring, and Nathan Laycock. First one I mentioned was Cam Selden. The two that you mentioned has uh, been um, has been uh, uh, who were the two you just mentioned right there? Christian Conyer and Nico. Yeah, Nico. That's yeah, right, Nico. I, I, I threw I threw you off. I'm trying to take your Nico. I was like, okay, we just did Connor. Who was the first one? Nico. Um, the last one I'm going to mention here is, uh, is Jordan Matthews. And again, a lot of the same reasons you kind of already mentioned, I mean, getting him and I know LSU was kind of late to that party and I understand that, but being in house for Tennessee, putting that butt whooping on LSU in the early season. I mean, he was just, I mean, he, he was on cloud nine, right? LSU legacy. Yeah, for real. And, um, just so dynamic, really, really good ball player. And I like Christian Conyer, and I like Ricky Gibson. Um, Jordan Matthews is kind of the, the the jewel here, that cornerback position. And Tennessee needs help in the worst way at cornerback, and we know that, right? I mean, Tennessee um, no, has not gotten consistent play from the cornerback position for much of the past two seasons. You think you've got a player in Danico Slaughter, but, uh, again, is, is he going to stay at corner? I mean, if I was coached, hell yeah, he'd be staying at corner because I think he's your best one. You're getting help from Gabe, Judy, Lolly, and all that, but – Guys like Jordan Matthews, where Christian Conner might be more of a project, and, and Ricky Gibson, who you shouldn't sleep on, but might be a little bit more of a project, Jordan Matthews might be a guy that can go and give you snaps this fall. Now, does that mean 70 snaps a game? Probably not. Does Probably that mean maybe, maybe 10 a game, potentially, and then kind of grow from there? We'll see. But I think Jordan Matthews' unique athleticism and is more polishing, almost ready to go now. But as always, uh, the spring practice and fall camp will be big for him and for all these guys, Matt. I mean, there's always someone that surprises you, you know, during, during this time. It's like you just didn't see it coming. Yeah. You know, it seems like there's always that one person. And, and with this group of guys, it could be anybody. You know, so, I mean, they're... we were leaving spring practice last year, and I remember a lot of the conversation was on Squirrel White. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, this dude's not going to play. <laughs> like, he's not going to play a big time role and and he didn't for the most part but when he came in he was really good and then when he had to play a big time role he was really good but i remember the chatter last year was all about squirrel white a little bit of chaz nimrod and maybe chaz nimrod could have made some noise if not for an injury that kind of kept him out a little bit yeah you know and i think you, you want to talk about newcomers and and guys that you're excited to see that trio of wide receivers from last year uh, it's an important spring for those guys. Squirrel White taking the next step. Uh, Chaz Nimrod, a chance to get back on track. Caleb Webb, a chance yeah. to continue growing. You know, those three guys, it's, it's going to be important for them this spring to, to show what they can do. There's plenty of competition in that room. You know, uh, frequently, you know, la last year, um, I talked about him a lot. And I just remember people – Especially on Facebook, the Facebook crowd, man, they 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 will tell you what they think. Um, you know I, remember writing, I remember writing about Ramel Keaton, you know, and how important I felt like he was at the time to Tennessee. And it wasn't necessarily from a production, you know, standpoint that I that I was trying to sell it on. It was the hey, if Cedric Tillman goes down for five plays, if Brew McCoy goes down for you know five plays, who's stepping up? You know, you've got a couple of talented freshmen there. You've got a, a several slot guys. J Jimmy Holiday played some of that stuff, but he hadn't really, you know, producing it. Ramel Keaton had played, you know, even though the production wasn't necessarily there. He had had his, you know, highs and lows as a freshman, and then the COVID season where you 
kind of opted out. Um, you know, what no kind of about it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So I mean, focus uh, on academics. Am I right? That's it. Yeah. So I, I kept coming back to you know, Ramel Keaton's played some valuable football, yeah. and uh, you know, if Tennessee needs a veteran, you know, uh, he can be that guy and. I didn't think that he would play the role he did. I also didn't think that Cedric Tillman, you know, would be as limited as he was at times. But when you look back at last season, Ramel Keaton, outside of that Brew McCoy catch against Alabama that got you in the field goal range, second biggest catch of the season probably went to Ramel Keaton. That catch that he made against Florida down the sidelines, absolutely. Well, here, I'll one-up you here. I mean, that was an impressive catch, but everybody, and it kind of frustrates me a little bit, but, like, everybody remembers Brew McCoy's catch right before the field goal against Alabama. Heck of a catch. The catch before that was Ramel Keaton going across the middle, takes a blow, and hangs on to the football. So not only Brew McCoy, Ramel Keaton on that drive, in a game that was all about Jalen Hyatt, Ramel Keaton and Brew McCoy stepped up on that drive to preserve the the 40-yard field goal there. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much competition in that room, and you're you're maybe not going to see as much of it in the spring, but going into fall and everything like that, though – there's going to be some some real competition there. So those young guys that are in the second year of the program, they they you know need to show that they're ready to take a step and and be ready when they're called upon. Uh, important for them this spring as well. Uh, it's just exciting to have football back here. I know. I mean, we we, we, we try to talk 15 minutes of this section. We're going on 20 minutes here, but it's because we're talking about football, and we'll actually yeah. have things to talk about that we've seen this time next week for the ball quest podcast because spring practice begins next week and we can't wait i'm holding the rookie remote in my hand right now i'm not really sure why if you're watching on youtube uh but we're all jacked up on mountain dew right it's it's gonna be fun and we'll have plenty of coverage of tennessee spring practice right here at volquest.com he's matt ray i'm eric kane uh tennessee um basketball in action this week Kicking off at not tipping off at 9:40 Eastern time on CBS against 13th seeded Louisiana. That is coming up on Thursday. If Tennessee is to advance, it will take on the winner of Duke and Oral Roberts, and that'll come up on Saturday. Full coverage from down in Orlando from Grants, Ramey, and Rob Lewis. We got everything you can possibly need on crossover season right here at VolQuest.com. Stay out in the front page as well. Uh, again, that newcomer piece that we've been talking about a little bit right here from Austin and Brent that came out on Monday. There's going to be veterans to watch position battles to watch all that and more plus we continue to set the table and get you ready for tennessee spring practice that is all at volquest.com big time thanks to our friends over at exterior home solutions who make all of this possible for a free estimate please give them a call today at 865-524-5888 exterior home solutions free estimate 865-524-5888 i'm eric kane that's matt ray grant ramey and rob lewis thank you all for listening to another edition of the volquest podcast You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.